Welcome to The Maker and The Merchant with Fergus Elias and Lee Isaacs. Here we are again, the uh, podcast that refuses to lie down and take its medicine. Uh, Ferg, Ferg isn't returning because he, he hasn't gone anywhere, but I um, you, you'll notice that the, 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 the luxurious, lugubrious voice of John Motts has sadly been replaced by the the awful screeching northernness of my voice. I'm back, Ferg. I'm back. Yeah, I miss John. I'm back. Yeah, was he not available? Or well, was he just was he just not prepared to sign the contract for the for the you know small no, amount of recompense well, that this apparently he's been receiving poison pen letters um, from. Uh, Eile Lysaks. I, well, you, you can't prove nothing. Yeah, no, no, no I can't. Anyway, um, uh, anyway but... it poison pen, that's stupid. I wasn't writing it. I was chopping up newspapers and gluing the lines together. To <laughs> yeah, he said he was too concerned for his safety. <laughs> 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 Apparently someone threatened to plant Rondo in his, in his garden. I mean, that would put the fear of, of any deity into anyone, wouldn't it? Damn um, straight. Great episode. Not a, not surprised given that you were there still, uh, and John Mobs. I mean, Mate, I one was of just the key for the rise in, in English wine. Tremendous knowledge, mm. incredible, a, a, a tremendous amount of great insight, and he's always very measured and balanced as well. Uh, I, I do believe that, that, that John Mobs is one of the greatest voices in, in English wine today. Um, and incredibly modest as well, and and yes. unassuming in it. Um, yes, you know, he is. he is he is undoubtedly one of the 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 the, the sort of encyclopedias of English wine. You know, he's tasted more than probably there are very few people in in the world who've tasted as much English wine as him. And I, I, you know, that's that yeah. in itself is very impressive. I mean, I was just along for a ride for the ride that episode. <laughs> I, our, our friend Mr. Boyne over in, you know, yes, I gather that West. you just dropped the ball here. Uh, yeah, well, no, I didn't drop the ball. Uh, our contract clearly stipulates the maker and the merchant, not the maker and the mob. <laughs> so that's fine. But he actually counted. He counted the number of times I said, "Oh, absolutely," and just went along with what John Mobs was saying. <laughs> um, and I was like, "Well, how else are you supposed to respond when the brain is talking?" You know, it, it, and it is quite. And it is quite. I, I, I've said for several years. I wish I had as you know half as much knowledge about any one particular wine area as John Mobs has about English wine. It's that's mad, isn't it? Tremendous, Absolutely ridiculous, tremendous, and um, uh, so yeah, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if he realises, but he has agreed to be sort of a roving reporter, yes. and um, you know, make appearances on the odd episode with his recommendations and such. So thanks for that, John. Mark. In fact, he's joining us now. <laughs> John, where where are you? Where are you? Oh, I'm 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 in the windows of the world restaurant sipping a cappuccino. <laughs> Are you near a television, John? <laughs> um, you see, the thing about John's tasting notes where, you know, he tasted longer than he intended. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but, mate, well, he was a great sport as well. Always always a pleasure to, to talk to him. And and actually quite nice um, quite nice to just sit. sit. I've, I've met John many, many times in in 
various tastings, but never actually sat down and just. Well, actually, that's not true. We sat the outside scene, that pub once for scene, about six hours. Made dinner for you. Yeah. No, he's never made dinner for me. He's made dinner for you. I get it. Yeah, you're special. Uh, John and his wonderful wife uh, and lovely daughter um, uh, welcomed me into their home. Uh, um, I think you know anybody that knows John uh, is aware that he's, he's he cooks. He posts a lot of pictures of the things he cooks. Um, John and his wife Chan. Wow, I've been in Michelin star restaurants and not had food as good as uh, the. Just the smells coming out of the kitchen alone were incredible. Very, very talented. Uh, lots. Of, I, I, I'm starting to go off this mob bloke. Right? He's, he's good looking. He's witty. Incredibly knowledgeable. He's a good cook. He's a. De- he's like a. De- you know, just a decent, well-rounded human being. Mm. It's just no. It's annoying, it. isn't it? And it's you know what? No you, know, you know. You know what's even worse, mate. What? Well, we've got to introduce today's guest. And oh, she she's is, cool. she's cool and clever, and she's just so much more interesting than we are. So yeah, and she's genuinely doing something awesome. I think we should stop doing guests. I think we should. Yeah, they're, mate. They're this just, this I, this podcast my, my, is a vanity project. My self esteem cannot take this. It can't take no. any more than it's already taken. It can't take this. But without um, further ado, come on, our guest this week is awesome. We've been. I so said we've been trying to get her on here for a long time. Um, it, it's not that she's been very willing to come on here for a long time. It's, it's basically me being a completely disorganised pillock, uh, and I've, I've not managed to, to make that happen. Um, but, folk, please. Well, I believe, I believe, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Lee, for finally, you know, actually booking in the one, the only Ingrid Bates of Dunleavy Vineyards. Uh, to come on our come, to come on our podcast, um, but it is shameful that it's taking you this long. It is shameful, but we're making up for it right now. Ingrid Bates, don't leave the vineyards in Bristol. Here she is, <laughs> and there we are. So, um, yeah, Ferg, very disappointed to see that you uh, have not um, stuck to the new sartorial dress code for the maker and the merchant. Uh, our wonderful guest, Ingrid Bates, is wearing a hat. I'm wearing a hat. And you've got nothing. You know, you'd, you'd think as chief winemaker on hundreds of millions of pounds a year, you could afford a hat, Ferg. Do you ever wear a hat, Fergus? Is it Ferg? I, actually, I actually am a cap man. I do wear quite quite frequently. I, I'm seen wearing a cap. But on this particular day, I am not wearing a cap. Um, it's quite warm. It's quite warm today, isn't it? Well, exactly. Uh, and and there's no there's no sun to get in my eyes, and as a result, I felt that the cap was unnecessary, and so I'm not wearing it. Well, that's um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it is part of the rider, and I am sorry, but but Lee, you're just going to have to move on. Well, we'll we'll be taking this up with uh, with TM and TMHR, who is conveniently me. So I will have a meeting with myself uh, afterwards, Ferg, and me and HR will, will come back with you. But it, yeah, enough of this nonsense. Indeed, indeed. Enough of this nonsense. Um, dear listener, uh, lady, we would like to uh, warmly welcome to the maker and the merchant, finally a bit of class, uh, which is what the show's been missing since inception, uh, the wonderful Ingrid Bates of Dunleavy fame. Welcome, Ingrid. How are you? Yes, I'm fine, thank you. 
I'm quite pleased it's warmed up a bit because I was I was finding that cold weather quite exhaust physically exhausting it was. Getting <laughs> getting all a bit much and, and and you spend like pretty much your entire existence outside, right? Well yeah, I mean I probably don't need to, but I just you sort of get in the habit and then it feels really weird. I do stay I stay at home kind of roughly one day a week. Like as I don't go to work, I don't go to the vineyard at the weekends. But um I find it really weird just staying at home for a day. I just sort of feel a bit strange. I feel a bit sort of tense, like I've got to just sort of go and fiddle about outside or something. You just get used to certain things, don't you, really? Mm-hmm. Have you always been, you know, is that something sort of from childhood? Have you always been sort of very outdoorsy and, and you know, for, to be out and active rather than inside with your head in a book kind of thing? No, no, not at all. I, no, not at all. I, I was kind of completely never went outside. Um unless it was really nice weather. Um, but no, it's just, I think I always say this, I think when you're actually kind of doing something outside, it's quite different to, I don't know, when you've got a reason to be there, you're not focused on the weather, you're kind of focused on what you're doing, so then you don't kind of think about it that much. Um, and then, you re- I don't know, you just feel really good at the end of the day, I think, if you're outside, or or just not sitting down, basically. I don't think sitting down's very natural is it for people it's um it's not a good thing is it no if you see you know the rise of back problems i'm sure there's a correlation between when jobs <laughs> started being completely sedentary and sitting down and in in offices i felt that despite the sitting down thing but most of my work has been quite like when you're a wine merchant you're active because you're standing up in a shop and you, you there's a lot of moving boxes around and talking because so you're constantly active moving around the shop might not be a big space it's not exactly a strongman competition, but you're, you're moving, you're active. And when I um, moved into into my last role, which was horrendous, but they've obviously got rid of me. Suddenly, I found I, I was doing a job where I was sat down almost all the time because I was either in a car going somewhere or in a meeting that involved being sat down. And what I noticed, I, know, I always was wondered that, what you were doing driving. Around. I didn't actually understand what what your job was. I noticed you were driving around. You were like, oh. Oh, I'm going to drive for eight hours. And I was thinking, why is he always driving? What, what's well, going think, on? I think this is the problem. Eventually, the company I was working for went, what is he fucking doing? I'll just get shot of him, uh, which they did very effectively before Christmas. But, 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 but what I noticed was... <laughs> I know um, we're all laughing. A, That's awful. What, what, a bunch of, what a bunch of absolute bastards. This is a man's future bastards. in life. <laughs> and, um, I was... I was texting some um, some friends today, some some people who, who over the last few years have given me um, some freelance work, and they run a cocktail business, and it's two guys that run it, and I come in to do wine events for them occasionally. But we get on really well, you know, and it's a bit of a sort of, um, I suppose, a bit of a blokish sense of humour in the sense that we really take the, the mick out of each other. That's a, a standard thing, and um, they've always pointed out that when when I introduce myself for. Uh, I had to write a bio for their site. They were like, well, yeah, what is all this nonsense you've written about yourself, all this stuff you claim to have done? Anyway, one of the guys, Dom, he had to write his own today. So he, he sent it to me and went, how do you come up with this absolute bullshit? Uh, so my response was, oh, well, I can just talk nonsense for England, which is something I really have to rely on. And he replied, not knowing the situation, said, oh, that sounds like you need a job. Have they finally got a shot at you? I had to reply with, <laughs> Yes, they have. And he went, uh-oh, oh, oh I'll, I'll talk to you I'm later. A, I'm a bit awkward. <laughs> but, um, but no, what I noticed was when I started doing that sedentary, where I've sat down all the time to wheel the car in a meeting, 
the amount of weight I put on in the first three months of that job, my diet hadn't changed at all. But suddenly the fact that I wasn't active and wasn't moving and then I, I put all that weight. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you talk about on a wine podcast, isn't it? Um, sitting in the middle of a car, putting weight <laughs> up. Weight problems. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, Ingrid, thank you so much for coming on the pod. <laughs> oh, that's what, all right. What are your top diet tips for 2024? <laughs> yeah. uh, when I went on holiday, I always uh, I go to the Isles of Silly and I, and I kind of oh, always beautiful. eat scones, a lot of scones on this holiday. Oh. And then, not this summer, but the summer before, I ate like several scones a day and I got a little bit, I'm not like a porky, massively, obviously porky person, but I got a little bit porky and it's just never gone. I think that's what happens yeah. when you get older, isn't it? It just, you can't, it's there. And yeah. then you think, well, when's it going? And then it just doesn't go. Once that's it's, it, once it's there again, that's, that's it. Talking, talking of scones, obviously I have, I have a cat. I've recently discovered I've had cats most of my life. My cat will eat a scone. Or a not- scone on its own? On its own, without the jam and the cream, he will eat a scone. Oh, there's no butter on it. There's no di- like dairy that we know cats like. He'll just sit and eat a scone. He's crackers. Well, oh. he's scones, I suppose. But... Cats are a bit do you weird, aren't they? Very... Do you so eat this is a very loosely wine-based podcast right now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what? What what would you would any of you your wines? You can't talk co- about wine. I know. I said. Uh, ah yes. Ask. No, this is what we do. <laughs> Come on. Would you eat scones in a winery? <laughs> which I which? Do, I I am a scone man. I am a big fan of the scone. Um, but jam which way cream. do you do the jam? Jam or cream? Yeah, this oh. is the question. Either either or either or doesn't. No. Does it? Doesn't no, matter. life well, is it... black and white. It's, it's you can't be either or. <laughs> yeah, well, this we're potentially going to we're oh. going to lose listeners. Make a decision, and we will happily lose listeners in Cornwall or Devon, just not both. We need to protect. I'm one. trying. I can't actually remember what I would do. I need to. I need to have it in front of me. I think I would put the jam, jam on first. Yeah, and then, and then a big massive load of cream on the top. It, you know, it has yeah. to be like proper, hardcore yeah. cream. Hardcore. Yeah. Huge, huge amount of it. Huge amount. Which of your, which of your wines would pair best with this, Ingrid? Well, I don't know really. I think I'm just sorry. I'm just trying to imagine it. Well, I've got the rosé here. I I guess that would go. They, I find them. I find my wines. I think they pretty. They go with lots of things. I always find that because people always say, "Oh, what what would you pair it with?" And I think because there's something about my wines. They, I don't know. They genuinely seem to go with lots of different things. I can't think. Oh, that would. Oh, no, really, wouldn't go with that. I, I haven't actually found anything that, I, which is a really bad pairing yet. But maybe I've not tried that hard. No one else has told me of anything <laughs> that they've discovered either. But I guess maybe they wouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> well, I remember tasting your um your sparkling red. Oh and, yeah, and and kind of placing it in that charcuterie board. You know, hard rind cheeses. Uh, kind kind of area because it had this yeah. nice fresh acidity to it, and it was texture. I remember thinking that when tasting that, and going, that is the if I was sat down with a proper charcuterie board and all the all the things that come with it, that would work wonderfully. So I remember thinking that. So I can't remember which one you tried because the first one was quite. They, they really vary every year, because um, as you know, I'm the, I'm not the actual winemaker, but um, mm-hmm. so they vary every year. Um, some years they're really dark. And some years they're really light. <laughs> it's almost like a lucky dip as to how they'll turn out. 
But it is the same kind of grape varieties. It's usually, well, the first year it wasn't, it was Rondo. And I know a lot of people don't like Rondo. And it was a real Marmite wine. Some people loved it and some people hated it and thought there was something wrong with it. Um, but I think it was just because it had this slightly weird aftertaste, which is, I guess, yeah. that classic Rondo thing, is it? The kind of yeah. weird beet like juicy thing. Yeah, yeah, that earthy, slightly <laughs> which leafy... Is... Which is obviously green. <laughs> yeah, well, it's slightly kind of gross, but then weirdly you get you do you get used to it. But I did, I really liked it because I can't. It was really nice. It was just unique. It was just different. But you had to get your head around it a bit. But then, as they've gone on, they've yeah, they've they've kept some of the qualities of the first one, but without the aftertaste. Because I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. Also, I couldn't deal with all those negative you know if people were negative because some people go i love it i love it and then some people obviously would hate it and i find that really annoying i don't like it when people hate it so i, mm-hmm. I yeah. said to the winemaker no no more of that aftertaste business <laughs> 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 and then and he's been very good and he's not done that again. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, Ferg and I, before we came on air, we were discussing, you know, potential punishments for mistakes that winemakers make. So maybe that's that's one to discuss a bit later. Well, I think we should almost reset a bit for, for, for I mean, we've only got one listener, but just in case she's not encountered um, Dunleavy, oh, which she should have Ferg's done. Ferg's mum. That's Ferg's mum. That, that um, is yeah. indeed my mum. Hash, um... Hashtag Ferg's mum. Um, Ferg's yeah. should have... Um, you know, given uh, Ferg's mom the skinny on Dunleavy, but um, Ingrid, obviously, you didn't. You didn't start in mine. You started uh, in biology, and you were you were you were basically the female David Attenborough, right? Well, no, I think I kind of had aspirations. I, I remember actually, I went into the office at the Natural History Unit once and said, "Yeah, I think I don't know what I was thinking." I said yeah, I think I want to be a presenter. And they all just kind of looked at me. And I'm so unsuitable to be a presenter. It's ridiculous. But um, I did at one point have, I think everybody that works in wildlife TV has that thought at some point. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think the story behind da- Sir David's rise to glory was that he was, you know, he never wanted to be a presenter. Um, mm-hmm. He was just a kind of background person and then somehow managed to get in front of the camera accidentally. Um but yeah, I was just kind of a almost like a tape monkey, really. That's what they called you, um, like a junior researcher. So it's kind of the lowest level when you first start out in your twenties. But it's quite hard to get a job there. So even the lowest level is quite a good thing to to do. But um, yeah, I just it just wasn't my thing. But it took me a few years to realise that, and I just looked ahead at the progression. And I thought, oh no, it's just. It, it sounds really silly, but I like jobs that are quite sort of... Uh, you don't know this until you do a job, I think, what you actually like. Um, mm. I like to kind of have that feeling of <laughs> satisfaction, like, oh, tick, I've done that, tick, lovely, move on, tick. Whereas with yeah. most kind of office based jobs, it just never ends. And you, f- yeah. I know that's kind of the same with a vineyard, but you get more kind of definite, obvious satisfactory points whereas with an office mm-hmm. that kind of work you don't and I think I think that was why I didn't enjoy it but I can't quite I'm not really sure to be honest but yeah what is the um so when when you got into that as you said you know I imagine everybody that's gone into that arena has gone oh I'd quite like to be the next Sir David Attenborough at some point sure, <laughs> yeah, everybody 
certainly every young guy that picks up a guitar, which is what I did, at some point it goes to, it's like, I'm going to be a rock star, you know, even though most of you, most people know it's like, that's not going to happen. What, what would have been the natural sort of trajectory and progression? How do you stay there? Where would you realistically have expected to get to? So, yeah, like people that started at the same time as me, <laughs> they'll probably earn loads now. They would all be... Uh, it's different to most TV because natural history, most TV, you can progress really quickly up to producer level. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with natural history TV, it's a, it's a kind of, it's quite a different, it's a kind of a niche thing. And you almost need to wait for people to die before other people move upwards. And that's how it was at the BBC anyway. Um, it has kind of changed over the years. But yeah, you become like a producer Um and then you'd probably maybe go on less, you'd have to, well, initially you'd start going on loads of trips abroad. And then gradually as you climbed higher, you'd be, it's like most jobs, you end up almost becoming a manager of people, whether you're good at that or not, um, and going abroad less um, and taking on more responsibility. And, you know, they kind of, most of their time is spent kind of pitching ideas and then trying to organize filming trips to film things and it's it's quite stressful because they could put a lot of effort and money into wanting to film this specific bit of behavior and they'll go out to a location for like three weeks and maybe not get that so all that money's wasted and then so it's it's a funny old um job really (laughs) it it sounds a lot like being a head wine maker fergus you know you eventually just boss people around pitch different ideas suggest you're gonna make this wine in this vintage and then the vintage doesn't do that yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, I don't really spend any time on the floor anymore. So it's yeah, it's it's it's, Do you not? it's surprising. No, have you got some it, minions? Um, <laughs> a few. <laughs> it's, it's 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 one of the one of the 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 less the bit that you don't realize is going to happen is all of a sudden you're just doing less and less cellar work. So the only time I you'll really see me running a pump or or doing anything remotely constructive nowadays is at harvest um where i insist on sitting on a forklift or loading presses or cleaning tanks or just doing something because it's harvest and that's that's what's expected and that's why i became a winemaker that's the stuff that's fun um but yeah Yeah. uh, i've sort of stood actually as you work up and i'm not complaining because obviously i'm now the third best paid person in english wine um (laughs) but as you work up you you get not further away from the product because i taste i probably taste more now i taste my wines more often and i think about my wines more carefully because i have more that's a bigger part of my job but i i do less of the stuff that i was really good at which was filtering and transferring and and sellers i was a good seller hand um and i loved i loved took a lot of satisfaction from being a seller hand so it's 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 been a double-edged sword but yeah no so i i can i can i can dig that um yeah i think it's always the way isn't it with lots of jobs really but um maybe you should do like a special little batch of wine that's all yours and then you I, I do. Do all just twiddly bits. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think that, that's what I try. I try to do a bit. I'm trying to do more at the moment, but it's really. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. You just you get so busy, and we we yeah, we, you're probably just really busy. We have so many product lines, so many bottles to make, and then on top of that, we do beer and we do cider, 
We do none out. 4,278 SKUs, haven't you, Berg? Is that right? Uh, uh, 47. I was close. Yeah, 47 out 47 what? Um, 47 different products. Um, Wow. Just just in wine. Three. (laughs) Three is a nice (laughs) number. I've got four this year. That's exciting. Five. So how how did you go from. We've we've sort of. This shouldn't have turned into me complaining about how miserable my life is. I'm actually very happy. I've got a really cool job, and I've got. <laughs> but you need to carry really on. Like, I just need to go and phone Richard Balfour in. You please yeah, carry no, on. Just make sure he yeah. listens to this this bit where okay, the job satisfaction at Balfour Winery is extraordinary. <laughs> he wants to get back to basics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please pay me less so I can do less stuff. <laughs> Um, back in those wellies. <laughs> but more importantly, Ingrid, everyone's heard my misery. <laughs> um, how did you? How did you go from from that world of, of, of um, TV and the natural world and all of that to, to a field somewhere in Somerset? No, yeah. no, near Bristol. Yeah. No, I was right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I live. I live in the city, which I always tell people that because I don't know why, really. I just like, <laughs> I don't, maybe that's awful. I don't want people to think I live in the countryside, but that's terrible. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But um, I I think it's quite important to me. I really love the city. But mm. um, so, yeah, I I kind of said, I thought to myself, oh, I'm really fed up. I hate this. And then um, a bit like, bit like Lee. And then I thought, well, what can I do? What can I do that will make me happy? Um, because I was only like 20 it didn't really matter as long as I could pay my rent I didn't really care I was just in like a shared house with my friends and um, who were all working at the BBC and I tried to get a gardening job and it was really sort of demoralizing at first because I (laughs) didn't get any gardening jobs because I didn't have any gardening qualifications I had like a degree a really good degree and I thought oh this is stupid and um, but then someone said I'll talk to this girl Liza she's left the BBC and she's managed to get a job she managed to get a job as a head gardener in this garden I was like wow that's good and I went to have a chat with her and she she just gave me a job so I was just quite lucky I think she was just pleased to have somebody nice that she could talk to um and yeah and so that was my first experience of working outdoors um and it was quite a shock at first I found it really exhausting I remember being really grumpy and I'd be sort of go I've got to go to I've got to go to bed really early every night because it was it felt like such a shock to the system um mm. but then you sort of get used to it after a while I think you just work quite I work really slowly these days just so that I'm not really tired at the end of the day um but yeah I worked with her for ages and that was in the grounds of this hotel we were kind of rest- <laughs> supposedly restoring this the grounds of this hotel Victorian kitchen garden and then we moved to a different hotel and they had this vineyard there. And it was like one of the first vineyards that was planted in the country in the 60s or 70s at Thornbury right. Castle. All um, right. So it's a really old vineyard. They just they pulled it out last year, which is a little, oh. a little bit of a shame. But it wasn't very productive anyway. It was, it was Mullaturgal. So it was it was quite cool. It looked cool because it had really old wooden posts and really old vines. Um, and no one was looking after it. So I went to the manager of the hotel and uh, said or can I have a go at looking after it because it because it looked a mess I thought well I can't look any worse and and he and he just let me have a go I think because it was quite a sort of informal setup it was almost like 
every man for himself. We could just, well, I'm not a man, obviously, but like we could just have a go at what, it was quite a free sort of place. And he just let me have a go at this. Whereas I guess most places they'd say, well, you don't know anything about vineyards. And um, so that's kind of how it started, really. And then I just ended up looking after vineyards around Bristol of people that had planted vineyards and then mm. either died or or kind of moved on in some way. And then they, this vineyard is left, you know, like a hobby vineyard. So I ended up looking after a few random wow. vineyards and I just learned quite a lot that way, um, just through talking to other viticulturists. And I don't know, just kind of, I don't know, just kind of, I did a few courses as well at the time, just kind of day courses on pruning and things like that. But that's mm. how it started, really. Um, sorry, that's a long you, answer. No, that was a that was a great answer. <laughs> My question is, how are you finding how are you finding these little pockets of of vines? Was it just word of mouth, or um, no? I think have like an ad out. No, it was just um, so there was the Thornbury Castle Vineyard, and then there was this little vineyard, a, a village called Ost, which is by the old Seven Crossing, like the old white Seven Crossing that goes over the river seven seven. and that chap had passed away and his wife had come to Thornbury Castle and said oh who's going to look after the vineyard it's a real mess and they said oh we'll get Ingrid to look after it um so I'd sort of hang about there quite a lot um and then there was this other vineyard in the Avon Gorge really spectacular Mm. and really steep slopes and like I'd nearly fall to my death quite a lot. It was almost vertical in places. And um, that was, again, planted by a, a chap that, again, passed away. And or the house had been sold as well. And that was cool because it was in the steep valley and you have, like, the river and you can see the suspension bridge. And you felt like you were the only person in the... It's this weird location. You wouldn't see any other people yeah. Um, and sometimes boats would go past and they'd all like wave up at you. It was really weird. But, um, that sounds it was amazing. Quite, it was quite cool. Sounds yeah, it's still place. there. That vineyard's still there. There's a guy actually who just contacted me a few weeks ago who's just bought that property and set, and contacted mm. me again and said, oh, I heard that you used to look after it. Can you tell me what to do? And I sort of, well, I went to kind of roughly tell him how to prune and stuff. So, um, yeah, it all carries on. And yeah. How long were you, you know, looking after these vineyards and the vineyard at the hotel? How, how long were you doing that before you said that actually I kind of fancy sitting up on my own doing doing my own thing? Well, I think it was actually quite a long time. I think at that point I just didn't, I didn't want any kind of stress or um, responsibility in any way. I just was really enjoying having a job that didn't require much. I don't know, they just didn't have any particular pressure. Um, so I did it for about six years. And then I think I just, I do have this vague memory of being in the in the car park at Thornbury Castle and thinking, right, that's it. I think I just was a bit fed up because the manager had made, because I, I did the gardening work there as well. And one of, I actually really enjoyed it, although it's kind of menial. I really love mowing the lawns. Um, I'm making myself sound a bit strange, but... Um, I think he'd said we've got to mow all the lawns because we've got a wedding tomorrow and I was thinking oh god this is really tedious and then I (laughs) something else happened I thought right that's it I'm gonna set up on my own (laughs) and I really wanted to kind of have a go at um I I love like labels and design and creating a kind of product that looks cool and I'd never been able to do that side of it so 
I kind of that's I really wanted to do that basically. Yeah. And then that and then that was it. That's it. You're on the way. So you, you first yeah. You, you planted in is, is it 2008? Uh, it was yeah 2008 yeah because my it was planted a few weeks before my my I've got two uh, daughters. It was planted just a few weeks before my daughter was born. And um, wow. yeah. Oh, I know. So, yeah, so, so a pretty easy time, not a lot to be thinking yeah, about. Oh. Take it nice and easy. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? I know people do that a lot, don't they? They do something really stupid just before they have a baby. And um, <laughs> I think, I don't know what it is. I think it's your hormones. Get, you in, get married. <laughs> hey, I'll start a big building project. Um, but then it's one of those things, like, once you 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 kind of like you jump off a cliff. I think you, once you've done it, there's no going back, is there? You've got to get on yeah. with it. Not the baby, well, but the vineyard, I mean. <laughs> well, anyway, it's, it's kind of good. To, how many of us don't fulfil certain dreams or ambitions just, just because we don't start them? Yeah. You know, we, 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 it's, it's that thing, is that put one one foot in front of the other. Once you get started, you, then you, you have to deal with it and, you, and eventually yeah. you'll be doing the thing that you, that you wanted to do. But it's Well, you know, I did. I was, I was really scared. I thought, my God, what on earth have I done? This is bloody awful. <laughs> and But then there was no go. I remember thinking, oh, this is awful. What have I done? And then, but there was no going back. So I just had to yeah. make the best of it. Mm. And here I am. And, and here you are now talking to us too. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, yeah. you could have been the next to David Attenborough, but instead <laughs> you're talking to a man without so. hair and a man who yeah. combs his own hair with a spoon. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and you, so, you thought you'd reached bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, always, we're always here to remind people it could be worse. Um so t- t- tell us about the, the, the site that you, you know, how long did it take you to find the site that you wanted and thought was right? And, and where is that site? How big is it? What, what, and what have you got planted there? So the site that, so the site that I've got planted is in a village called Rington, which is kind of just south of Bristol Airport. So it takes, I live in the city, so it takes me like 25 minutes to get out there and um in the car and uh it's yeah it's kind of a nondescript sort of field really it's just sort of acid loamy slightly clay soil with hindsight it's probably not like the the most perfect site but i've kind of made the best of it really um but i'm trying to buy some land as well because obviously leasing land is not it's Mm. not great for the long long term but um initially i planted pinot and saval blanc and then after a few years with the Pinot, it just wasn't working. I don't know if it's just that site. I think because it it's kind of towards the lower end of the valley and like Pinot, if it does, it was early Pinot as well. Um, so it's kind of a not a high yielding variety anyway, but quite often we'd get a little bit of frost and then that would be it. And you think, oh, that's it. Whereas I've replaced it now with Regent and I just noticed that um, – a, they start growing a bit later, so they're less likely to get nipped by the frost in that location. Um, but also, if they do get nipped by the frost, they still seem to kind of come back and produce fruit. Whereas in the peanuts, they nice secondaries, don't you? With... Yeah, particularly the Saval. I don't know if you've heard that before. It 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 just doesn't seem to care. It just comes straight back. Obviously, you <laughs> still need it to ripen. But um, whereas I was That'd talking nice. about this, how yeah, winemakers. For, as a grower, I'm always just kind of like the the, the quality it, to me is 
well, obviously that it's not diseased and that you have a nice quantity, whereas the winemakers always want, you want it to stay on the vine as long as possible, don't you? Um, yeah. And, you know, it, I, 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 <laughs> I like it to taste nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but region, I'm, I'm actually, so I'm actually a fan. Yes. Yes. What do you like? Really you is. like Regent, do you? I love Regent. I've got a real soft spot for it. Ooh. I use it quite regularly. Um, I make quite a lot of still rosé with it. Really, it works really well in that in that in that area. I think that's yeah. It's a really lovely variety. What do you so, um? What do you sort of blend it with, or do you just have it on on its own? Um, where does it go? It currently goes. Is it a um, secret? No, it goes to one of our supermarket customers. Um, so we no, make but a, like. Who- do you blend the Regent with a white grape to make your own? Yeah, Chardonnay and uh, a bit of bit of Pinot Noir, um, and it uh, goes to uh, M&S as their oh. mark song, which is really it's a really nice rosé. But yeah, we were sort of it gives it you get that nice fruit profile from it, and then you combine that with the acid from the Chardonnay, and it's, it's oh yeah, yeah. And you, the well, colour is good. <laughs> it's really handy in the press <laughs> there's no maceration required just put it in the no. press it comes out quite red yeah no it's really i really like it it seems to kind of be able, you seem to be able to do quite a lot of things with it um i'm not sure steve my winemaker like he, he's always he still prefers pinot i think if he can get some pinot but um but yeah it's really it makes really great color definitely I did that collaboration thing with um, Left Handed Giant, the beer producer in Bristol, and they made this amazing um, kind of weird beer slash wine with the region, and it was really, really dark. And it was amazing. It was, yeah, amazing flavour. Cool. Yeah, I was just trying to remember now if we'd done it this year. I forget my brain. Yeah, we did. Yeah, they've got – trying to remember what they – yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, they are doing it this year. Yeah, we did sort it out in the end. Some years it's a bit kind of touch and go, just working out how you know how much, how many, uh, how much, uh, how many. I can't speak. How many liters of juice we've got and things like that. Mm. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah, we did do it this year. And I've also um, I'm doing a thing which I've not done this year um, with Tommy from Langham Winery. Oh, yeah. Where, because there was quite a lot of fruit around this year, I've wanted to do it before, but I never had enough fruit. Um, we've just given him uh, about a ton of Regent, and he's making a cold fun now. Um, no. So that'd be great. Yeah, cool. I mean, that's, that's something he's he's into. It. I know he's made, you know, cold fun though before, and I've tried some, and he's, he's done some really experimental stuff with it, hasn't he? I mean, it, I mean if, if you're going to get someone in the UK to do it, Tommy's your guy. We're both yeah. big fans of Tommy anyway here on, on TM and TM, but um, oh, that's really exciting. Very Has Tommy cool. been on the podcast? He's not yet. He's uh, he is due on. It's one. It's a bit, but, yeah, he, a bit he, like he you've been also... talking about it for about 18 months. <laughs> he also does have common sense and has realised that it's probably not the thing for brand Tommy Grimshaw. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I think I'm going to I am going to go off on a tangent here and. and um, Some of this sounds sounds a bit condescending. I'm going like tonally... Condescending uh, to me or to Tommy? To Tommy. We're we're going on a tangent tonally, thematically, the whole lot, but because his name has come up. um, Obviously, during my my recent experiences, um, lots of people very kindly reached out and spoke to me and offered support 
And um, Tommy was was one of those people that very kindly took time out of his day to drop me a message and see if I was okay. And uh, you listen back to the message that he sent me and you go, Tommy, you're like 12 years old. Where is I this know. coming from? Like, the, like we, we already know he's a brilliant winemaker, right? And he's got absolutely no right to be because he's only, you know, he hasn't got the cradle marks off his ass yet. But just that, like the, 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 the way the way he communicated and the depth uh, and thought that had gone into this, these messages that he sent me. Again, I, I know people in their 50s that haven't thought about anything in their life <laughs> as much as this. Like what, just, really... what a guy, what a guy. He's a very interesting character, I think, because um, yeah, like you say, he is a child. A child, <laughs> but he's—I <laughs> feel like I'm much more childish than him, and he's quite—he's <laughs> sort of very laid back, but it's sort of quite serious in a way. Mm. And he takes mm. his work quite seriously, I think. Mm. And um, yeah, he's quite an interesting character. Yeah, and he's, he, he's and very I've considered. known him reach out to people. I've known, yeah, people who've had something bad happened to them and i know that he's i think he does yeah that's a thing he he's, thinks about other people which yeah. is quite yeah. nice he, he's very considered he's very measured he's very thoughtful but it was just it, just the phrasing of his message like this is you know i i would i would pay to buy books written in this kind of language conveyed in this way so there you go uh tommy g if the winemaking thing doesn't work out become a become a writer um but anyway yeah, yeah so, so massive tangent there about Tom. so Obviously, you know, you've sort of talked about how you got into vineyards and starting your own vineyard. What was your actual, I don't mean wine experience, which I was about to say, what what were your experiences of wine prior to this? Was it something that was around in life? You know, did you, you know, parents have it at home or family? Was it something you drank? Um, yeah, well, my parents would drink it, I suppose, but not very often, to be honest. Um, no, they wouldn't really. They weren't really big drinkers. They're still not. Um, <laughs> no, I was. It's embarrassing. I shouldn't really be embarrassed. No, but um, no, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't. I didn't actually like drinking wine. I didn't like the taste of it. I think it just. I mean, I'm just being honest. I I was awful. I probably would just drink really sweet things. But then I found yeah. this weird thing like weird kind of alco pops because it was the nine. Not the nine. Yeah, it was the nineties, <laughs> the early two thousand. So that was all right. But um, I um, what happened? I think I reached a certain age, not that old. I can't remember what age it was now. Thirty, I think it was, and something just changed with my taste buds. And now, like I drink, I don't drink a huge amount. I drink, but I do drink like a glass, a glass of wine every evening. Yeah. Um, but it's weird. Do you do you two find that? Because obviously, have you always liked the taste of wine, even when you were children? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. I can remember Dad bringing me water wine when I was when I was quite young. Um, he'd sort of bring me bring like tank samples home and then cut it with water and then and then we'd taste that. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. That's an abiding memory. I mean, I wasn't always wild on on it, but I I was I appreciated it and then and then learnt to love it quite quickly. Um, yeah. No, I don't know if it's like a man, a man, woman thing beer, as well. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I listened to your podcast from it was the most recent one, and you were drinking some alcohol-free beer. Yeah, then. 
dry January could not end soon enough right now. I, I miss <laughs> I miss nice wine and nice uh, just I miss a pint actually. That's what I yeah. really want. Mm. I, a lot of winemakers. I mean, I drink a lot of wine. Of course, I drink a lot of wine, but fuck me, I just love a beer every once in a while. <laughs> just, just can't wait. It'll be like that scene in Ice Cold and Alex, which I reference far too regularly. Uh, ice cold pints, and it'll probably be a Heineken. <laughs> and yeah. Do you like? Down. Do you like all those? Because in Bristol, we've got all these um, beer producers who are doing do, all kinds you? of. Yeah, they're really nice, really interesting people because they're kind of not, well, I was going to say they're not constrained, but I don't know whether winemakers are constrained, really. Do you feel constrained, Ferg? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Don't answer. They do really, they just do all sorts of mad things, don't they? And they just try all these really weird things and sometimes it probably doesn't work. They probably end up tipping loads down the drain or something but it's quite fun isn't it trying or do, oh. do you like all those kind of weird beers uh, uh less less than the, not not massively but actually what i what i love about brewers is their their attitude on life is 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 significantly more positive than winemakers i think because with in in brewing and in beer you know if it doesn't work it's oh, not yeah, cost yeah, that much just... to make and and you can just start again, and so they just they're just so relaxed and lovely. I we yeah. we, we brew, so we make we make some beer, which we sort of collaborate with with a local brewery, and 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 they're just so it's just so easy. They're just so relaxed and like cool. Well, this hasn't worked, um, so we're going to try again next time. And you're like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, one of my wines didn't work. I. I'd have to waste another year. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, they're I, just so, yeah, lovely. And brewing life sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I couldn't do it, but I, I, they're, they're, they're cool guys. Um, yeah. I get. I think I get the impression, like, with the, some of the places in Bristol, they have to, it's quite a fast turnaround. Like, they have to, with the tap rooms and things, they have mm. to keep up with the demand, which right, must be quite weird. And they yeah. yeah they've got to kind of keep producing it producing it otherwise the customers will come in and have nothing to drink <laughs> and they all have to it's... keep doing madder and madder things and you're just like <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. one of those I'm I am a bit middle of the road when it comes to beer I, I like the weirdest stuff but actually what I really want is a really well made pilsner that's 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 for me that is the sort of zenith of of, of brewing it's just a beautifully made pilsner that's been lagered for six months you know that's that's perfect i'll be very happy with that um oh nice and simple yeah i can imagine yeah. i don't actually drink much beer i've got to run upstairs can you two chat amongst yourselves for a second yeah we can yep. do my, oh, we, we, we i'm gonna grab a charger for my phone no i'm gonna problem. see my thermal outfit now so i have to move away <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ferg, actually, while uh, while Ingrid is is taking a break to retrieve her charger, I do need to pull you up uh, on your ice cold in Alex reference. Uh, it's a Stella. It wasn't Heineken. It's a Stella. It's, uh, it's not a Stella. What? It's uh, it's Carlsberg. No. It's uh, it's no. Uh, it's, it's a Carlsberg. No way. It's a Carlsberg. I think it's Stella. Um, but I realised, as I said it, that it wasn't. 
Oh, it is a Carlsberg. Yeah, it is. So, um, I mean, that's that's, that's pretty disappointing. That, but mean, do you know what? I, allegedly, I a, one of my favourite films. I missed a reference in one of our last episodes due to sort of stress, tiredness, etc. And I think you've more than I think you've more than got that as your defence. Oh, you see, you see what I've done there. Yeah, I yeah. I have. I, I, I hope you didn't feel that I caught you out at all. <laughs> Let me just summon up the energy to carry, <laughs> <laughs> to carry this forward. I will be the judge of whether that was funny or not. <laughs> I hope you prosecute on that promise. Uh, well, it's all a bit jury-rigged around here, so... Um... <laughs> <laughs> what can what can we say? What can we say? But we will. Um, I'm sure shortly we will touch on your your recent exploits. Uh, filming filming Law and Order Kent edition. Uh, um, yeah the, the 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 Rondo Victims Unit. Yes, yes. Uh, it was an yeah. unexpected addition to the uh, to the famous uh, <laughs> TV series. So there we go. It. Oh, there look, there's go. a puppy! Oh, well, well, not a puppy. There's a dog! <laughs> oh, who's this? It's that silly, my silly dog that's always on Instagram. He's an Italian greyhound. He so he's is kind of really cuddly. Glorious. Yeah. I just sit that's, like that now. Does he Does he like scones? Or maybe, God, that's, just he, a, he's maybe terrible. that's just a cat thing. He'll eat anything. I don't What's think he's his got a long life. On Rondo? <laughs> <laughs> what were you talking about while I was upstairs? Uh, Did I, I miss I was, anything? I, I was berating Fergus for uh, for getting his reference wrong yeah. from the Ice Cold uh, in Alex film, uh, uh, yeah. which is you know it's a terrible sin has been committed. Um, yes, yeah, so I will so, have so to moving on, pay um, penance. Yes, you will. <laughs> we will discuss again. Uh, TM and TMHR will be will be on it. So you were saying earlier you were trying to remember how many different wines you've got. Um, yeah. So what I was going to do is tell us about the wines that you have. <laughs> ah, uh, so yeah, I've got, where is it? I've lost it now. I'm sure, oh, here it is. I've got, so this is my main thing, my rosé. So we did this cool thing, because I love the label. So this is the Regent, mainly Regent, with a small amount of Sauvage Blanc. Um, nice. And then we've, I just did this thing. And they've got beautiful uh, labels, haven't they? Thank you. They I are, they are visually, pleasure. they are stunning. Um, Thanks. You, you are uh, falling into the classic trap, though, of um, showing us your beautiful labels for a podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's okay. Ferg does we... this every time. <laughs> Every time he holds up to the camera and goes, here it is, and I have up. to remind him. I have to remind him it's an audio experience. So for, and for, then I for, look for, like and... a total wanker. <laughs> well, you don't have to be holding up the labels to the camera for that. Um, so for, for the benefit of Mr Kite, uh, so our dear listener, uh, Ingrid Bates was holding up a bottle of her still rosé. Um, which has a, a fabulous kind of black and white image with uh, with a person on it, who I believe is a musician. So you, you worked with Pete Axford, is, is that right? <clears throat> the, the famous Pete Axford, yeah. The famous so Pete, Pete Axford. 
Pete's a photographer and um, we got, I asked five Bristol musicians to come to Pete's um, studio and then we took photos of them. <laughs> that sounds a bit weird. And um, put them on the wine label. And then what? So then the idea was that there's a QR code on the back and then people can scan the QR code and then they can listen to, well, obviously the musicians, they all chose their own music. But the idea was that they would choose some music that pairs with the wine. So it's kind of like you could be sitting at home and listening to, it's like a, an experience. That was the idea, but it was just a bit of fun, really. Um, yeah, it's cool. And um, and then Jodie, who I work with on, you know, she designs, well, I kind of tell Jodie what I'm thinking and then we work together to come up with the label. And um, she entered the label into the Harper's, what's it called? Wine and Spirit Competition, mm-hmm. design, the yeah. design award, and it won a gold. So, that was really nice. I was really pleased for her, actually, because it was quite fun. Um, but yeah, it's just fun doing stuff like that, just doing something a bit different. Well, it's it, it's also, I mean, for so many reasons, why you know, why, anything experiential, you know, wine is one of the most ultimate, you know, experiential products. As as is music, we just experience it in a slightly different way. But it's something that they're both things that we consume and they resonate with us uh, emotionally and kind of spiritual not it's not just a physical sensation it's not just the sensation of going from being hungry to not being hungry anymore it's something much deeper meaning than that but also the fact that you know you're you're a small local business you're, you're, you're from bristol proudly proudly associated bristol and as you've said you like you like saying i live in the city so actually working with the local musicians um and i'm kind of going ahead because one of my questions was was going to be you know what what's the scene like in Bristol, the foodie scene, the wine scene, it, it's always seemed to me that Bristol's, you know, a, a hub of creativity. I think it is. I think, well, obviously I can't, I haven't lived anywhere else for a long time. So I think I've, I've tried to sell wine in London and I just find in Bristol, it's quite a, Bristol's a funny old place because it's obviously like a big, it's obviously a big city, but it's at the same time, it's quite a small world and lots mm-hmm. of people know each other um and um i'm just checking that my phone is actually charging but um it's um there's 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 a we have a like a bristol food whatsapp group so all the restaurants and things are on this whatsapp group um and there's like a bristol food whatsapp group i know it's quite an interconnected world once you've been here for a few years you really get to know the different characters um Mm -hmm. and there's not that many of the characters and (laughs) that sounds a bit weird you just get to know people basically and it's quite yeah. it's nice people are nice um and yeah it's just a nice place to be and I think what makes it actually is that um the people in Bristol are really keen and interested in local produce and they've obviously mm-hmm. um you know they're able to buy it and go to restaurants and things like that mm. and that's what that's what kind of fuels it all really they're all interested in that kind of thing so it's it's, it's really handy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah right. having that community right yeah it's really nice and yeah people are yeah they're always really interested in what i'm doing in the vineyard and everything really it's it's quite a i feel yeah i'm quite it was just a kind of happy coincidence really um but i think even the fact that i live in the city makes a little bit of a difference to there's other vineyards outside the city and it's um yeah, I think I, I just, I don't know, I, I just feel like I've got to know 
my I sell most of my wine to the restaurants and things and restaurants mm-hmm. and shops and things um, because I it's just me so I don't um, do that many vineyard tours because that would be me doing them and then I wouldn't be able to do um, something else like pruning mm-hmm. or whatever and um, so that's just the way I've accidentally kind of gone down that route of selling kind of 70% of my wine to restaurants and shops um i'm not sure it's always the best thing because sometimes you know you look at the way different people sell their wine obviously you get a different price obviously um mm-hmm. sometimes i think oh i'd love to sell a bit more direct but then then it's kind of how do you do that mm-hmm. where, unless you want to take on loads of staff so it's kind of i'm always thinking about that for the longer term i'd like to do a bit more of that but mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah, that, that kind of sell it all thing. So, so obviously, you, said, you know, for anybody, for our dear listener listening to this, um, if hashtag Ferguson wanted to come and do a vineyard, you, you, you obviously do vineyards, so you don't do many of them. Um, you're so you've got one site at the moment, is that right? But you're looking at, at another site. Yeah. Well, I did a, a crowdfunded uh, a couple of years ago. I remember now. this? Yes. Oh. I can't believe it's taken so so the crowdfunding is meant to be the hardest bit actually you know it was successful i managed to raise i can't remember what it was now fifty thousand pounds um because hmm. that's what i was told would be a good amount to get to buy a couple of acres around the city but in reality i think the land actually goes for a lot more within commuting right. distance of the city and also like decent there's a couple of bits on the market right now and i've been to see i go and see them all the time there i'm really not that fussy but the bits that come on the open market are often just a bit naff or they're really clay soil or they're low lying often they're really low lying or they're really Mm. like exposed on top of a hill um but i'm really not that fussy but not much comes on the market but having said that i'm I, yeah, there's a few bits i know are coming on I'm, i'm kind of hopeful i will secure something this year I'd really want nice. to get on with it, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. And, and do you know what you'd like to to plant, or is it wait until you've got the site, and then that 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 would obviously determine it more? Well, because in my rented land, I pulled out the pinot and I replanted with the regent, and I thought, oh, I'll put in some other hybrids uh, or peewees to kind of have a go and see what they're like but then we've had two really kind of weird growing well that last year was kind of all right because we had well i know ferg probably wasn't happy about the rain but i was kind of happy because it's good for the baby vines mm-hmm. um mm. but um i planted some other varieties but because we've had two really weird growing years i don't feel like i've really got a, had a chance to see what they're like so this voltus have you heard of that the oh, white... you've got some voltus yeah i've got some it's really weird. Okay. It's like the weirdest thing. It, the first year, it didn't do anything. And I was going, what's, what's wrong with it? It's not growing. And it just sat there. And I thought, oh, it's dead. And then the second year, it was like it just sprung to life. Um, whereas often, it, it, the other way around, usually, they do really well in the first year and then think, oh, actually, I, I want to die now. When did, she, when did you plant that? Was that did that go in, in was, 21? 22, um, I think 20. they're in their second or third year now but the first year was so awful it was so dry and because i've got this clay Mm. soil um they really struggled because the once the clay dries out it's like concrete yeah but um and what else have i got a bit of devico like tiny amounts and there was something else i forget now oh what was it i can't believe i can't remember (laughs) there's something else but i can't remember what it is oh i know oh god 
I can't remember the name. <laughs> It'll come to me in a minute. But it's a is really it one dark of the? Is it one of? The, oh, it's a dark one, is it? Yeah. What well, are you? My, I'm having a brain fog. You know it. Come on, Ferg. It's like a dark <laughs> red. It's you can you can. It's almost too dark to make something on its own with. Um, people grow it. It's like a quiz. Rondo. No, no, I hate Rondo now. <laughs> Is it, is, is it a time to read variety so that, that oh, like the juice got, oh. is red? <laughs> it's like really stupid. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that one. No. Mm. Oh, hang on. I'm embarrassed. No, it will come to me in a minute. It's just your vineyard. Yeah, it's just my vineyard. I I know I can't. Re- I, I'm having a brain fog. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> um, so what made you, what made you plant? Um, Voltis and 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 Divico and insert name here. Um, well, it's just literally like I say, they were just t- it's just one row where I've experimented mm. with those just to see what they were like because I really like doing the sparkling red. I yeah. kind of knew that the regent was good for the sparkling red, but the idea then being when I buy the land, I would know exactly what to plant, and I I pretty much know that I can make it work with just regent and with Saval. Um, and uh but i thought it'd be interesting to see what um these other varieties were like in case they were really great but um mm-hmm. i don't really know what they're like yet i haven't kind of they haven't fruited yet so i'm yeah. not really sure well, I mean, i'm i'm especially interested in in voltis mm-hmm. um because of course it's that is now the... yeah but it's now the eighth permitted... variety of champagne um yeah, I didn't, um, I, who was it? Is you know, um, Stephen Skelton, is it, was, you know, he does yes. this thing where he's kind of asks people what they're growing. Mm. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm growing some of that. And he said, oh, there's only two, well, two people that he knows of that are growing it. Um, yeah, um, that doesn't, I'm, I, yeah, I tried to buy some last year. There just weren't any vines. Um, no. I know, I know a place... I know a place near Bristol, Ferg. Yeah, know, no. Going late at night with you. <laughs> I give you some cuttings. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got the um, so you made the still rosé, which you mentioned, and then yeah. the the so the sparkling pale red, which we we sort of alluded to earlier. Is, is that something you obviously you've got rid of the wrong though? But is is that something you're still making? Um, um, sparkling red. Sparkling red. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what the idea with the sparkling red was not initially i wasn't using my own grapes for that the right. idea well i bought i bought the grapes in i don't grow ronda i bought it was somebody had a surplus and i thought what can we do with that surplus it's actually and, just uh, a crop yeah i just i think it was actually i think i was selling wine to vinoteca at, at that time oh, yeah. and um and they said oh can you make a sparkling red and i said oh i don't know i'll find out and and that's that was why we did it initially and then i thought actually this is quite fun and that's why it carried on, really, because I think um, Sam at Camel Valley, he makes a, sp- a sparkling red, which is quite different to mine. I think he really loves getting all the colour into it. Um, the flavour is quite different to mine. Mine's a bit more kind of fruity. Hmm. Um, but it's interesting talking to him about it anyway. I think he's got yeah. some kind of, it's going to sound really stupid, but some kind of giant blender or something that he, he- uses to kind of chop up the skins. He, that is exactly what he has. Um, it's fascinating, yeah, fascinating piece of tech. Um, <laughs> I saw one at, I was at oh, Vin Expo or insert name of winemaking sort of 
expo um and and i saw one of these and yeah so the idea is they it's effectively like putting your fruit through a blender so it breaks the cell walls really quickly because it gets it mashes them all up and then you put that in the press and then you get red wine and you can ferment the red wine in a tank without putting it on the skins because it's already got uh, yeah 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 Yeah, he was saying you know he knows some people find that horrific (laughs) But he quite likes it. I think I quite, yeah, I like Sam. <laughs> He's, he he does exactly as he pleases. And I, I think that's to be applauded. And uh, yeah. The same yeah. English, really, isn't it? So, so you've got these vineyards or you've got yeah. these grapes. Oh, what the one, yeah. <laughs> when, but when... yeah, in the longer term, I'd like to, because at the moment I have to buy in grapes, some grapes every year. And I quite like to not be doing that because I'm trying to grow mm. them without spraying them. And obviously, if I'm buying in grapes, I try. I know the people I'm buying them from, but I'd rather grow them myself. And I want to have somewhere that people can kind of come and visit me a bit more easily, because um, my my rented site doesn't have like a car park or anything like that. It's very basic. People are shocked when they see it. <laughs> no, I, I, I quite like it because you know, it's growing grapes is a re- like a real honest honest university commas whatever I mean by that thing to do so it's a you know growing grapes we've been doing it for centuries originally it wasn't the sort of thing we'd go, well, we'll turn up we've got a nice visitor center and like, now i've got a field and i grow stuff in it like that's yeah. how we feed that's actually how we feed ourselves most of the yeah, time that's what we um i've got a couple of shipping containers which i have painted a very nice shade of green and that's what we call it the visitor center <laughs> brilliant but, um, <laughs> absolutely love it, it. Looks, it looks quite nice in the summer because i planted like willow alongside it so then it looks quite nice and leafy but yeah in the winter yeah. it looks a little bit like a shipping container <laughs> <laughs> there's only so much you can polish a shipping container isn't there <laughs> 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 well, take a very thin coating of pva glue and then get a cannon that fires glitter <laughs> oh yeah there you go. And stand, but stand Ferg in front of it as you do, so that when he moves, there's a big Ferg shape. Kind of... <laughs> giant Ferg silhouette. Like, a, like, this, like Mr. Bean painting his front room kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but you, you've also got, um, you've got sparkling white as well, haven't you? Because the label for that uh, is wonderful. It's yeah. the, the lady on the beach. What, what's the story of the label? With, with your oh, that, white? yeah. So, again, um, so... My standard thing is I, for my sparkling white, I have a really nice green label. And for the sparkling red, it's a nice red label. Um, but then I sort of I had a few years where I thought, oh, I fancy doing something different. And we've got this photographer in Bristol. Well, he's like a world. He's a he's a very famous photographer, but it's a kind of a niche thing where some people haven't heard of him. But he's called Martin Parr. And he's if you're doing a photography GCSE or A level, you would learn about him. He's, he, he's very influential. He's very kind of iconic. His work is really, if you saw it, you'd be like, oh my God, it's that that guy. Um, but he lives in Bristol and he's got like a gallery and a kind of, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, just a, a space in Bristol that you can go to. And I just asked him, well, he was going to take a picture for me at first and then it all got a bit confusing. And I said, oh, actually, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just use something from your archive. And um, so I had access to his archive which was quite fun. It was kind of like Google and you can type in things and it will bring up all his work associated with that word. Um, So I was looking up like summer, um, Somerset, Bristol, 
Um, and um, just looking at all his iconic work, I couldn't choose an image that had a recognisable face because then if that person's still alive, yeah. they might not like it. Um, so, yeah, we, we chose, I chose this one image of this uh, old lady walking up the beach carrying a deck chair, and it's really quite a cool image. And so, yeah, Martin Parr said I could use it. It's, it's quite um, complicated, like photography, the, what's the word? Um, the kind of, not legislation, the the the, the licensing around it. Mm-hmm. I had to sort of sign a formal document saying, right, I'm going to use it for 800 bottles, nothing else, da-da-da. Yeah. Um, so that's how it worked. So I, I used his image, and it was really cool. It was really fun. Fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, um, yeah. you know, if people want to uh, sort of try your wines, obviously they can uh, come to the visitor centre, uh, which yeah. isn't, isn't don't look for a visitor thing yet. That's not been done. That's happening in a few weeks' time. Um, but where you were saying yourself, sort of mostly in Bristol, to, to wine shops, restaurants, where where should we be going? Well, first, um, where should we be going in Bristol anyway to sort of eat and drink? And where should we go where we can, you know, try your wines alongside? Oh, there's well, there's so many small restaurants in Bristol. There's literally like twenty that I could recommend, but and I won't because my brain doesn't work. Is it Cabernet Noir? Is that the variety I'm thinking of? Could be Cabernet Noir. Yeah, yeah. I can't uh, believe is I, it, I. Is I, it not called Cabernet Noir? No, are you winding me up? <laughs> no, I think I think I think that I no, seem to remember. Not. There's. I think I you've think... had a strange dream. <laughs> no, I think they they can't. I think they've called it Cabaret Noir, and they what because they're not allowed to call it Cabernet. I, yeah. I th- yep. Have you been cheese again? Is he looking no, it up? I've looked it up. Yes. Cabaret Noir. It's a that's the variety. But, oh, yeah, that's really cheesy, isn't it? Oh yeah. well. But then <laughs> so Sauvignac and um, I know I don't even yeah. I don't even write region on the label because it's just such a naff word. It's not cool. And with rosé, people, I, th- I think people are. It's it's quite strange. It seems to be immune to to varietal. We we don't it, tell it, anyone. I think con- consumers approach rosé from the medium of its style mm. rather than it's, it's and, and that's as basic as is this a dry one or a sweeter one, and, and that kind of negates their interest in the variety, perhaps in in rosé. I was just talking about this because I, someone was horrified that I didn't put the varieties on the label, and then I thought, well, I, they probably would never have heard of them anyway if I did put them on. Well, they wouldn't have heard of Regent, would they? Most people no. wouldn't have heard of it. Um, so we were just, I was, I was just finalising the text for my new labels today, and we were just debating. So we've mentioned Save Our Blanc on the on the sparkling white, but yeah, we've just not mentioned any varieties on any of on the spot. I've got a sparkling mm-hmm. rosé. And the, and the new sparkling red. People, I don't find that people ask me. Well, they do sometimes ask me, but I don't, they don't seem that bothered, to be honest. But um, anyway, what what was I talking about before? <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't where, remember. Where we can go to find your wines oh, in, yeah, in and around the Bristol area or elsewhere. Um, so, well, I've got a website, obviously, a web shop. Um, there's, loads, there's loads of little shops in Bristol. Um, and just outside Bristol, and there's a shop called Grape and Grind uh, on Gloucester Road. Five Acre Farm is a big shop down in South Bristol. Oh, there's there's just loads. The Bristol Cheesemonger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lo- loads of little shops, um, and le- just lo- lots of little restaurants. I suppose 
I guess my biggest customers are actually some of the beer producers, weirdly, um, and a big restaurant called Pasture, which a yeah. lot of people really like. It's a quite a meaty mm-hmm. restaurant, yeah. but it's really, really popular in Bristol. And I don't know if you find this, Ferg, that you, people kind of say, you often get people saying the same, oh, I tried your wine here, and it's often the same place that they they yeah. mention. It's yeah, weird, isn't it? Get behind, get behind. It's, I think it's when a, when a, when a venue mm-hmm. digs, digs, God, what am I? Uh, but when a venue really gets behind what you're trying to do and and it clicks they they just tend to show it more and they tend to push it that little bit harder and you can tell because all of a sudden these people are coming to the winery and saying oh i tried you at insert name here and 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 so i've so i've come down to the winery that's amazing um yeah yeah i really like that same. It's a really, um, a really nice thing, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think it's wonderful that when you, one of the things you, you sort of learn about working with different, particularly bars and restaurants, if, if you, if you can deliver your training right or your message correctly, that entire team effectively become brand ambassadors for you, potentially for life, because they meet, especially in this instance where they, where they meet you, Ingrid, or they meet you for. <laughs> and, and they like you so and they like you Ingrid and they they kind of a little bit like who, who was this bloke that came in and talked to me about wine you have the shiny um, head really shiny <laughs> we, had to, we had to turn all the lights down it was right I couldn't he I just couldn't refuses to wear a was, was he real or was was this was I having a vision it was just like this glowing this is what happened to Moses from the burning bush wasn't it it wasn't it was just somebody with a really bald head on a really bright day <laughs> um, but if, if they they become brand ambassadors for you and they, and they like you and your product, and it's an environment where the customer would tell us, "Go, I'm going to order this. What would you recommend?" You know, that just it, it floats so much higher up in their comp. And a, a lot of training, uh, I think, a lot of drinks training is is, is focused on minutiae and detail, and it doesn't need to be it's storytelling. Like, get the story across, and like they should be talking about this because they're doing this really cool thing, or the people are really nice, or it's super small experiment like all of those things are more interesting and they're stories we can all tell because they don't re- they don't require any level of wine knowledge right so actually no. the, the fact then with, with the great varieties are relevant go right singer oh what she used to be in um in 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 tv you know doing um <laughs> you know she was basically going to be the next david attenborough and stuff like that um <laughs> you know and now she's started this little vineyard she's doing this that that's the you know, that's the thing that actually people want to talk about and hear and listen to and, and all of those things. Um, What's happened there? <laughs> well, I, I, I think I've upset, I think I've upset Fergus. They it? both Fer- ran off and shut the door. Fergus has <laughs> left the building. Uh, <laughs> that um, was really funny. I, I think he was just yeah, upset at my, my dig at his bald head. <laughs> I wonder if, um, I think some t- that's also to do, because Bristol's got all these small restaurants, that's more likely to happen. I think as soon as restaurants start getting bigger, you're less mm-hmm. likely to get that kind of thing where people actually know you. I think yeah. as soon as restaurants get bigger, because I, you know, I go in with my little wheelie trolley to drop off my wine, and and yeah. sort of yeah, sometimes in the bigger places, people look at you like, oh, who are you? <laughs> yeah. But in yeah. the little places, they know who you are because there's only four people working there anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a, just a different dynamic, really. Yeah, and, 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 and I that's tell why people about them as well. So it's like a cycle, really. That's how mm-hmm. I see it. But yeah, I, I, th- I think that's you know, again, also catering and hospitality. 
um, it, it, it's existed for so long with that with those kind of relationships. You know, we, we, yeah. everybody's supporting each other. You know, I know when I was, well, I used to work for Obbins, so okay, they they were in actual. Yeah, I chain, saw but your um, post about that. Did you did you ever know the Oddbins in Bristol then, or because there was one at the end of my road years right. ago? Would you have ever no, been I, there? Do you think? No, I didn't. So I knew some of the London ones, and I was from the northwest, so I, I knew a lot of the kind of Manchester, Liverpool, you know, Cheshire. Um, I knew a few of the Scottish ones because I'd, I'd go up to Edinburgh for for wine tastings and things, and then. I knew some of the other shops that were around, but I didn't necessarily. So when I, I think when I joined Obbins, there must have been nearly 300 stores. Wow. So, you know, there would have been times when I, I definitely would have bumped into someone who was, say, at the Bristol shop, but it would have been in passing at a, bit, a big Obbins event or something like that. Um, but I remember so when, when I was at Obbins, you know, it ran like it, it ran as if it was independent. It was a big national chain, but each shop had its own culture and identity. And we worked with, you know, local restaurants and it was all so supportive. And, you yeah. know, your, your customers were coming into the shop going, well, where should we go to eat? And we, of course, we were pointing them in the direction of our customers because we knew them and we liked them. And conversely, you know, the restaurants would then say, oh, if you like this wine pop and talk to Lee or Barry or whoever up in, in the shop. Um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's that wonderful kind of creative convergence of everybody coming together and, and we're all trying to do the same thing which is make a nice product for people to enjoy it's just some are doing it with food some are doing it with grapes uh, but you mentioned pasture so i know the pasture in bristol uh because one year we had the iwa there and actually at the back oh, yeah. end of last year i ate at pasture in uh cardiff um oh, so yeah, there's one in both... cardiff which was very very good and so sam i don't know if you met sam the owner um, he's actually just planted his own vineyard as well, which right. is really exciting. Um, yeah, just outside Bristol, so that'd be really interesting to see what he's what what his kind of plans are for that. It's I think it's like a couple of years old now already. So yeah. um, well, I can recommend a good consultant who's got a lot of experience in the area. What me? Yeah, it's not. Fun. I just go and no, I think yes. Yeah, Sam asked me to kind of look at it, and I said, "Oh, I, I didn't want the responsibility. I'll go. I'll cast my eye over it and give you my opinion." But I wouldn't say, you know, it's weird setting up vineyards because you only do it once or twice. So it's like, um, yeah, I think I wouldn't say I'm an expert at that kind of thing. It's um, cause it's like doing a building project when you're kind of researching what tiles to have on your wall for a, for a brief period. You become an expert, but then you forget about it again. So yeah. it's kind of yeah, that's that's my analogy. <laughs> I like it. Um, one of the I'd, because we've, we've kept it a, a longer than we um, promised we would, but well, we didn't promise because we knew it would be longer. Um, I know, obviously, you're a massive, massive suede fan. Um, yeah. I, I think I, I I covered one of their songs. I think for you back when I was yeah. doing those shit guitar videos that I was doing. Um, I did a suede song. Um, so given like you know sort of the brick pop late nineties. <laughs> you know, good rock. Are you, are you a fan of Shed 7 at all? Yeah. I, I like Suede. I kind of go um, in, well, like like everybody. I've just remembered now that Ferg really likes that, what's it called? Three Kings or something. The old, um, what's his drops? You know, um, <laughs> James Blunt. Was it you? Oh, James Blunt, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just remember that because it was on the radio the other day and I thought of you. Every time I hear that now, I think of you. <laughs> 
That is exactly what James Blunt wants, wanted to achieve. <laughs> but yeah, I like all sorts of music. But yeah, um, I can't remember your question. Something about um, Swing. Shed 7. Do you like oh, Shed, Shed 7? Oh, Shed 7, yeah. I like Shed 7. Have you heard Shed the new 7. album? No, what, they've, they've got a new album. Yeah, new, new album. So I have a, a very, very tenuous connection to Rick Witter, uh, who's yeah. their lead singer. Um, and I, I covered one of their songs for um, for somebody I know on Instagram, and he actually knows Rick Witter. So Rick Witter shared my cover of one of his songs ah. with all his fan base, and I think he lost oh, a cool. lot of fans doing that. But they've so I've got some Shed Seven fan. They've just released a new album uh, called A Matter of Time. Their first number one album. It is phenomenal. They I really did. They always had like quite catchy little things, and every song yeah. had like a little catchy thing. They yeah. kind of mastered the art of that, I think, didn't they? There's, a, there's some great. It, it's an album that you listen to, and it it kind of kept. It's got that core of like 1990s northern indie cynicism, like that runs through it. But the album itself is just surrounded with this kind of um, joy and celebration and aspiration. It's an absolutely superb album. F- phenomenal, oh, cannot fault it from start to finish. There is not one track you skip. Uh, Matter I, of time. I'll listen to it. I'm going to listen out. to it tomorrow. I'll listen to it when I'm doing my pruning in the vineyard. Do it. How is pruning going? It's all right. Yeah, it's kind of actually it's going quite quickly. Um, we're also we're pruning the windbreak at the same time around the vineyard. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of chopping going on. Um, yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying it. I quite usually I really hate. It. I get really bored of it. Um, but I'm quite enjoying it this year. I think oh, I, I feel to... like it's going quite quickly. Yeah, I used to love pruning, but but only for about the first three to four weeks. After that, it, yeah, it would just be, oh, I'm still pruning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Would you have always done it in a group? Would you be all like chatting yeah. and stuff? You, yeah. yeah, that was. I'm just that, on my own. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that's, that's definitely tough. Um, it's okay. That, yeah, Ingrid, Aww. thank you so much. It, I mean, it's taken us 18 months to... to and, and the reason it's taken so long, dear listener, is entirely my ineptitude. Uh, not Fergus, not not Ingrid being a diva with, you know, a ridiculous rider with, like, a room full of puppies I mean, and stuff like that. It was... It was going, no, I'll come on whenever you want. <laughs> it was quite a ridiculous rider, just to be just to be clear, you know. The, the yeah, bit, I mean, it was. You know, no. bit, I was going to tell you a story specific- then about someone's rider, but now... I- that stayed at Thornbury oh, Castle, but now I don't. I've, but I keep forgetting that other people might listen. To, might think, listen what, to this. Surely, as long as you don't tell us who it was while well, we're recording. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was a famous American singer, and she wanted like puppy pads for her dogs to wee on. That's not that bad. And then, like a little step, so her dogs could come up to the bath. Um, ha- someone had to construct that. I'm trying oh. to think what else there was. I'll tell you later who it was. Oh. But then I, we all I, were all rushing around getting this stuff ready. This was about, you know, 20 years ago. And then she didn't even come. We got it all ready and she didn't come. Oh, <laughs> no. What? That is yeah. atrocious. What's the situation <laughs> with, with, with stuff like that? Does she Does she pay? Well, I don't know, because, I mean, I think in reality all we'd done was buy some puppy pads and someone built some little wooden steps. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know what they did in the end. <laughs> but uh, just in general yeah, with a rider. Yeah, that's quite annoying, though. You're right. 
It's I'm putting this, this person was very famous, so I'm putting in 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 the chat box here that, that obviously no. our listeners cannot see our access. Oh my, I'm not right. Oh right, okay, no. that was my. Um, oh, was that that sure of, on that? It was, it was that kind of level. Box? I can't remember how to do that. Oh now. my words! Oh Honestly. my words! Um, um, but but riders you... aside, thank you oh. so much for coming on oh. uh, and and, oh, and putting up with our inane utter nonsense. Um, that's, it, it's that's so good to get you on here, and I, I, you know, I, th- I think what wine needs generally, but especially English wine, it's more of these stories. It's it's the, the small independent boutique. It was the stories. It's people trying it out, and and you know, I've not tried all of your wines from every vintage, but I've, I've always loved what I've had that you've done because your your wines are just so creative and are so characterful. Um, oh, thanks, and, and, and that is to I like be celebrated. I, I think it's wonderful, and we and we need character and personality. All wine should be character and personality, and there's a lot of wine out there that, as good as it is, doesn't really have that. Um, so you know, as, as consumers, I think people more, are quite more, serious. More mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really like. I find you very amusing. <laughs> <laughs> and you, really watch, like you watch you watch you watch my content on mute i see that's, no, that's the only I way to, to do it <laughs> <laughs> and i like your vast array of flowery shirts and garments <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a vast array it is yeah, it is getting worse every color and pattern all mixed together have <laughs> you seen his new boots no, I saw his umbrella. I commented. Oh, yeah, the umbrella was shirt. good. Umbrella. It was all good. What going. was it? What what say my umbrella was citrus. No, zesty. Zesty, zesty wasn't it? Citrusy. <laughs> I said Same it was thing. zesty. <laughs> That's, my children use that expression. And then you said you were going to start using it. And I said, oh, I'm not sure you, I'm not sure in polite, I'm not sure how other people would, most people probably wouldn't. Yes, yeah, so I, I believe the, yeah. the, the term has a, a particular specification to it that I wasn't aware of that, that could lead yeah. to some, uh, some that situations. Insulting. No, no. But, um, <laughs> I no, thank you. have absolutely no idea what that connotation is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's not bad. It's just, it's one of those that you might, you know, when you've, um, th- there was a, there's a, there's a, a snooker player and, um, he, he, a match had finished early, and the, the uh, interviewer said to him, "Well, what are you going to go and do now?" Um, and he's obviously, you know, he's, he, wherever the, he, he didn't live where the tournament was, so he's in a hotel. And he, he tried to sort of be cool and use one of the phrases that he knew the kids used, not understanding what the phrase actually meant. And he just looked at the interviewer and went, "Well, Netflix and chill, I suppose." <laughs> not not oh. understanding that that meant something really quite specific. So. Um, <laughs> Was it? That, it, it genuinely, yeah. Sorry, we're going back to the chat, dear listener, that you can't see. <laughs> genuinely, that was going to be my my second guess. Genuinely, was it? Sim- simply because uh, my mother is a really, really big fan of that person, so that's sort of naturally where my head would have gone. Not because I thought it was that person, but wow. Yeah, you never know. It might not have been her. It might have been her kind of what's the word? Not entourage. Like the PA, people around her. Yeah, no, it was her. It was her. I mean, one day when Ferg's not around, I'll tell you about Ferg's riders. I mean, they are. Oh, yeah. They're, they're can ridiculous. They're pretty yeah. extreme these days. And and it doesn't include a single hat, which, you know, given his performance today, I think 
and given given my hairline's performance over the last sort of five years, <laughs> um, you just thought <laughs> receding. <laughs> Wonderful, Ingrid. We'll we'll I say we'll let you go. It sounds like we've held you hostage. Um, but it, oh, it, it's oh thank it God. Is, it is late in the evening. You are free to go. Um, but you have to report in once a week, every week for the next six months. Um, absolutely wonderful <laughs> to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. And um, yeah, looking forward to hopefully get, getting over to Bristol before too long. And I'll, I'll actually come and say hello and see the vineyard itself. Oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah, I do. And um, that'd be really nice. I, I'd love to see you. <laughs> love to get over there. Brilliant. And you, Thank Ferg, you so much. If you come down this way. See you later. I, I, I will make sure make sure of it next time I'm in your neck of the woods. TMT okay. road trip. Yeah, no, that does need to happen. <laughs> Let's do um, it. Let's do it. Ingrid, yeah, you brilliant. should. You should film it. <laughs> Don't go give us ideas. I'm just. I'm just. <laughs> there's a show in this somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, it was done. It was called Max and Paddy, and it wasn't terribly <laughs> funny then. <laughs> there was the other one as well with his son. Oh, anyway, you're trying to get away. I won't. I, I won't keep you. Oh, was, the yeah, White, was well, it the Whitehalls? Did they do a no, thing? No, it was um, Bradley Walsh. Oh, I think Bradley his Walsh and his son. Yeah, they've yeah. done something, haven't they? And they're in and a I, massive I, camp. Visiting English winer vineyards. I, no, I look just, just about old enough no, to be just folks, driving about. <laughs> just driving about, <laughs> causing, causing keke, as my South African friend would say. He's got to visit all the vineyards because of all the, um, the mad characters that you'll meet at these vineyards oh. in the UK. There's a wealth of strange people out there. Especially if you go west. (laughs) 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 Yeah. It's on. It's on. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. All right, then. Awesome. All right, thanks very much. Thanks, Ingrid. You take care and speak to you very soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Ingrid. Bye. Bye. Yeah, it's tricky, that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I did I did avocado today, and again, all I got inside it was a was a shit wooden ball. When are they going to start changing up the offering? I know. Can they not just do some happy toys? Yeah. You yeah. know, or like cork. yeah, something, anything. Yeah. How good anything. was Ingrid though? Awesome. No yeah. surprise. No, no surprise. She's just brilliant. She's just uh, you know super interesting. Very, very down to earth individual. Everything she says there's just such humility to it, and you kind of go, "Would you take some credit for this this really cool stuff you've done?" Um, Does that feel remotely familiar to you by any chance, Lee? Well, I have met Ingrid before, so um, it feels familiar in that sense. But but her wines as, as well, you know, as as I said towards the end of that interview, like, I, I I just love her wines because they are so full of character. Mm. And they're so interesting. And, and often when we say that in wine, it sounds like a bit of a pejorative, but like going, oh, this wine's interesting. Doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Our wines are, are good. They're, they're really enjoyable. They're delicious. Um, but they're just so vibrant and energetic. And, you know, you, you know it, it goes all the way through to the lake. It's like you don't see it as much these days in music, but a band, you know, you wouldn't just make the song. You you pour hours over the, the sleeve notes and the cover and stuff like that. And, and she's one of those creatives. It's not so well, I've got mm. the wine, I'll just bang a label. And, you know, the amount of thought that goes into it. It's just awesome. Absolute pleasure to get her on the show final. Was, wasn't it? Um, no, and and those wines, they're just really well put together, really well packaged. You know, the way, you know, the, I, I, don't, I don't actually think 
you can truly do justice to it, um, to how beautifully packaged they are with uh, over a podcast. Like, you need to yeah. look it up. Go to www. Wait, I'm saying this, but I don't actually know. I'm presuming it's dunleavyvineyard.com, but I have no idea. Uh, well, you should uh, know that, folk. No, it's www. Dunleavy Vineyards with an S dot co dot UK. And that and will go take check them out. Seriously, do do go check them out. Look up her wines. Certainly, if you're in the Bristol area, you know she mentioned a couple of places where her wines are available. So if you're in the Bristol area, going out for dinner or can make it to a wine shop, heartily recommend picking picking her wines up. I, I think one of the most exciting things about English wine, we've said this before, um, is is the range of just small boutique producers doing stuff. Um, because you can get some experimentation there, and you can push boundaries. Not that you can't in bigger players, but with the you know there's, there's kind of less baggage in in some ways, and there's there's less criteria of things that they have to meet, and and, and all sorts of things like you know like like mid, I can't think of anyone off, off the top of my head. I mean, night in with every a step above, they they can do what they want anytime because we all <laughs> you know we, we, yeah, we all love it. But um, you know, talking about smaller scale English producers, uh, I'm basically a winemaker now. How are you? Yeah. And um, what been, makes you say uh, that, Lee? Been blending today. Oh, in yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Blending. I, I, you know. What'd you blend? Well, I don't know what the hard thing about winemaking is. Like, sugar gets converted to alcohol by yeast. So, you know, you just yep. sit around and let that happen. The hard bit is the blending. And that's what I've been doing today, blending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, What'd you blend? For, for all angels. Yeah. Yeah. Blended. Um, what we were looking at, they had some different uh, different Chardonnays, so from mm-hmm. different vineyard sites, but handled differently. Interesting. Uh, we had some uh, some some Rondo Pinot Gris in there, some Pinot Noir, some Pinot so, Mouillet. Yeah. Rewind. Yeah. Is the Brondo and the Pinot Gris in one tank? It was in or... one bottle. So it's oh. Rondo Pinot Gris. Okay. Like a rose, eh? You know, have you come across this before for rose? Uh, I'm I'm aware of r- rose. <laughs> <laughs> so I um I obviously can't give too much away trade secret. Um, so 2023 vintage, uh, and the idea was to blend. So there's two, there was two primary wines that they wanted to get out of it. So every year they uh, they make a sparkling rose, and they make a, a sparkling classic cuvee. And the idea nice. was let, let let's get the blend together for the for both of those, um, and we started off with the rosé, um, which was fascinating. Just it, it, it's amazing. So today was interesting because I've done blending before, uh, but not for sparkling. So I've blended still wines before, mm. but but not not sparklings. Um, so obviously you're dealing with you know generally slightly high levels of acidity and stuff like that. So it's quite challenging, but just the we would change one component by 1%. Yep. So drop a percent of this component and add in a percent of another component. And the change that made was breathtaking. It wasn't a small, it wasn't like, well, you'd only notice if, if, if you were really concentrating. I know this is a noticeable difference. No, no it's, it's seismic, isn't it? It is. Um, it is. Um, yeah. So, so we, we got both of those blends done uh, together. Um, and, and the idea was sort of seeing where those blends went and then if that left scope to do something else or not. Um, but they're the two key lines, so they have to be correct. 
um, and it sort of ended up look, look the, where we got the quantities to and the blends to. Like actually, that that takes care of everything. You know, let's just do that for for twenty twenty three. So really enjoyed that. I, I'm very grateful to, to 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 Mark and Kay at, at All Angels for asking me along to to be involved. Um, you know, just nice to get out of the house, nice to go and see them, and 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 to be involved in in doing that. And again, you know, as we've seen before, like with B six twelve, when I'm involved, it's always awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when when those wines are released and they're really good and they win all the awards, I can go, yeah, that's basically me. That's that's it, mate. That's that's it. Um, but um, but um, obviously, as we record this, Ferg is Burns night. Uh, it so is. What what Scott should we got in your room? Mate, you know I don't have any scotch in my glass, and I'm actually quite sad that it's I'm missing a, out a, because you're Burns doing dry night. January. Yeah. Do you know what but, I'm doing? I'm not doing dry January. I'm doing fuck you January. That's a good January. Next year, I'm doing fuck you January. Yeah. And I've sort of so. got this far into the month, and I'm just like, oh fuck it, I'll keep going and just get to the end. Well, you're so close. You're so close yeah. now. But five but, days. Um, um, yeah. But no, have you no. been been up to anything interesting lately? Anything uh, good? No, I'm on I'm on jury service, so I'm, um, yeah, I've I've spent the last two weeks driving to Maidstone. They've got roads there. Uh, allegedly, Do you have to, like stop before you get there, like the the, the city limits kind of, and then like trek in and no, no, no. no. What, what you do is you you drive. Into into Maidstone, and then you join the world's worst and busiest one-way system. And you just oh. sit on that for a, an indeterminate amount of time. Sometimes it's quick. Sometimes is it, it's is unbelievably it true that it, slow. Is it true it takes so long that you sit there for so long you eventually petrify and yes. you become made of stone. Yes, that's happened quite often. Uh, you Is see that them the just etymology of the town. Yeah, that's that. Uh, it, but it only happens to women because they are made. made yeah, of stone. Of stone. Not not male stone. No. But 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 look, butler stone. Mm. Is there um, a town? Is there a butler stone? I don't think there is. You, but yeah, not no, been so out I, to any that. any events anywhere. No, no. we're done. We're done. Uh, no, I've got I've got some stuff coming up though next week. Um, yeah, not been to Islington or. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. I did do that, but I want to talk about the thing I'm doing next week. Actually. Yeah, what are we doing next week? What's going on? Uh, so next week, uh, I yesterday, if you're listening to the. <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening to this part. Um, if, if you're listening to this as we're recording this, which you shouldn't be because this is a secure channel and nobody else is in, then next week. But if you're listening to this when we put it out yesterday, or if yeah. you're listening to this, like, you know, in the future, because, oh, I've just come across this podcast, 200th episode, I'd like to go back and listen to everything. You've really uh, missed your chance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, next week on Wednesday, i.e. yesterday. Um, in the past. <laughs> I'm going along to uh, Vintners Hall. Uh, YGB are throwing their inaugural um, Rising Star Awards, um, and I'm going along as as chair of YGB Nominate. Southeast. And I've I've nominated um, one of my one of my staff. I nominated one of my guys 
um, for, for for that, um, which is really exciting. It's nice to see sort of competitions like that. It would have been nice if that was there, you know, when I was up and coming. Sadly, now I'm being gone and down the drain. It's, uh, you yeah. know, too late. Are you, are you uh, not going to enter the IWFC's 30 under 30? No, because I'm 32, and I, unlike <laughs> certain winemakers who will remain nameless, do not think that I should be entering a 30 under 30 when I'm demonstrably over the age of 30. Um, but anyway, we won't talk about that. No. Um, no. Or be bitter. Um, yes. So, yeah, no, going along to that, uh, so Rising is, Star is Awards. Is it a daytime which, thing or an evening? No, it's an evening thing. It's dinner. Um Excellent. So that that sounds that's really exciting. It's nice because it's you know it it's an exciting time for English wine. It's growing all the time. Wine GB is hopefully going in the right direction these days. And part of that is you know you've got to nurture and you've got to encourage talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having something like a Rising Star Awards is a really good idea. Um, no one ever put me up for it, but that's fine. I fucking got there anyway, didn't I? Yeah, you've done it. You've done, done it. it. Done it. I am a star. Yes. <laughs> um, so yes. I'm going. I'm going. Was it, with was my... it you that Ingrid was talking about in the hotel with the with the poppy pants and the and the little step? It oh, was no. you, wasn't it? That's why she wouldn't say the name. Um, no, was, that was that was Bethan. <laughs> <laughs> I I find that hard to believe. <laughs> because she's so tough and down to earth. <laughs> I'll tell you, you said that. Yeah, I said no. No, I, I find it hard to believe she'd uh, she'd behave like that, like a total diva. No. Um, so yeah, so I've got that. Uh, then there's uh, another YGB event actually at Arundel Castle on Saturday mm-hmm. next um, for celebrating sustainable wines of Great Britain. Um, you know the the scheme that they're slowly trying to dismantle and change and take apart yeah we'll yeah. celebrate it and then we'll then we'll make it easier to do just just uh, just redefine what sustainable means yeah yeah oh that's... spraying shit spraying shit everywhere no that's that's definitely sustainable mm. yeah mm. yeah using in, copper in the vineyard. oh yeah that's that's organic no wait no that's sustainable wait no it's it should be neither of these things in, installed in underground heating systems that that uh that run on infants tea is definitely sustainable Absolutely sustainable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so this this bit of the sustainability criteria was complicated. Oh well, we'll take that out then. You don't want to, you know, we don't want to do something if it's hard because you know what they say: if it's hard, it's not worth doing. Yeah. Uh, if 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 a job's worth doing, make sure you're off sick. Yes, that too. Or been made um, redundant. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, the 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 comic timing of you drinking a rather large measure of scotch, as you said, <laughs> and it is it is a Lee Isaacs measure of scotch. What are you drinking though? What's the scotch of choice here? So what I nearly did, I nearly did a classic Ferg and held it up to the camera. Wait, uh, could I you drinking... could you hold it up as you talk? I'll do about it, it anyway, so you can see it. Thanks, this is mate. a this is a Ooh. Uh, Torfa. Um, what does so that mean? Glenglaso... Uh, Glenglaso is uh, the distiller at near a hotel where I used to go and work and um, and do teaching right up in uh, in northern Scotland in Banff. So Glenglaso is the distillery not far from that. Uh, normally unpeated whiskies. Um, oh, this is their peated version. So I've drunk Glenglaso before. This was actually a, a birthday present. 
um, from my, well, now ex-colleague, because as I alluded to a moment ago, I'm, I don't work there anymore. Um, and it, 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 I'll tell you what I really like about this particular whiskey. I, I like the PT style anyway. It's 50% uh, ABV. Doesn't need any water with it. Um, I've no boob. Oh, should I put water in my whiskey if you want? Like, can we talk about important stuff? Like, should I put, carry on? Um, this doesn't need... So like Glenn Farkas 105, mm. which I love, big Glenn Farkas fan, I think that needs a little bit of water just to release it. Um, oh, it's higher strength, obviously, than, than this 50%. I've got no spring water going into this. It's just the, the whiskey neat, and it, it, it holds the alcohol so well. That peat is just really kind of elegant and refined. It's like wisps of smoke rather than like a big, intense heat. Um, lovely fruit, so it's cracking whiskey. That sounds great, man. Perfect for celebrating Burns Night. Yeah, uh, so I had a can of Beaver Town's Laser Crush. It's it, to be fair, it's the best of them. Was that one of the Star Wars films? No, no, no. It's fine. Alc Free is fine. Yeah, it's not fine, yeah. is it? I've, well, as I, it? as I said. I just really miss a big old oh. pint of cold Carlsberg. Well, um, as we record this on Tuesday, I went to Liberty's Portfolio Tasting. Oh, yeah. How uh, was it? Which was uh, cracking. Really, really Our good. Our old Liberty. Indeed, indeed. Liberty have a, a fabulous portfolio. Um, I hear, yeah, this... you know, it used to be better. Oh, did it? Yeah, well, circa well, well, 2019. Well, they had some light timber there to taste. I mean... <laughs> what? Pepsi did that. That wasn't even a joke. Though. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightingale are amazing. They're able to work with loads of people. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you could be alluding to there, Perk. No comment. No, uh, yeah. Um, are you going to Bebendum's tasting when that when that's on? Presumably, I usually turn up. <laughs> They've got a nice burgundy these at the moment at Bebendum. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll find mm-hmm. the. I tried some. I tried some very good bits not that long ago. Where was I? They do have. Anyway. Uh, they do have Catena. They do. Argentina, um, mm. and they're not not to get technical, but they're fucking awesome. They, they um, are wines. I tell you what did impress me. So New Zealand is a country that's kind of a little bit off my drinking map. You know um, they've been making wine for a little while there now. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Are Decanter writing about it yet? I um, know, oh, but Decanter is still, they, they're still, you know, in Napa, aren't they? Well, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> in America now. Um, yeah, well, there, there goes a potential avenue for me doing any writing work, doesn't it? I've cut them off. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, was, I was hoping to get more commissions for written pieces. There's a, there's a, a potentially non lucrative avenue just been blown away um, but New Zealand's a bit off I don't drink a lot of New Zealand wine I, just, I drink a lot of wines from other places I have no no dislike of New Zealand it's just you know you can't drink everything from everywhere um, but actually the country that most impressed on the day and I think partly because I just don't explore the wines of New Zealand that often was mm. their, their New Zealand range was was excellent so we hit up Grey Wacky because you know we know the wines but I, I yeah. haven't tasted Grey Wacky for ages the, the, the straight up Sauvignon was excellent because it had this nice refrain to it then they had a wild ferment sauvignon like really ticked all the boxes for me 
Uh, and then their, their Pinot Noir was excellent. And, and like, so New Zealand Pinot generally doesn't really do it for me. And I know Is there's big names. Uh, it just, I've not drunk a lot of New Zealand Pinot where I've gone, fucking yeah, all right. I've, I've drunk I've drunk New Zealand Pinots and gone, yeah. So my, my favourite New Zealand Pinot producer mm. is probably Larry McKenna at Escarpment. Um, met him a few times, tasted his wine, like them. Yeah. Most of, most of the, like even Felton Road, I, I, I get it, but it's not doing it for me. Mm. Um, but this Grey Wacky Pinot Noir was just, it was bright, it was primary, but it had lovely aromatic to it. It's integrated. Uh, it was excellent. And the other producer on the day, who is, is a producer I do know, yeah. Um, or, or, or know a little bit more well is Trinity Hill up, up in Hawke's Bay and their Gimlet Gravels Chardonnay, which again has just a little bit of oak, a little bit of laziness on it. And the, the Trinity Hill Gimlet Gravels Syrah. Awesome. I mean, they sound, awesome they sound like delicious wines to me. So that was the Probably Liberty good. Portfolio <laughs> Tasting. Um, yeah, so Taste, tasted a, a lot more stuff than that, but, you know, too much to review. But at the, at the end of the tasting, you know, we went to the pub, we drank beer. And I'll tell you what, that pint of Guinness post-tasting just, ah, oh, It's the best it's... bit, and I think I think it's the bit that never gets talked about, but the best bit of any trade tasting is the pub yeah. immediately afterwards where you have a pint of beer and yeah. it's delicious. It was delicious. And then we all ended up in Chinatown. Oh, uh, nice. For a meal, which was phenomenal. So we got, we got taken by a, a friend who knows the area, knows the restaurants, you know, so mm. she took us where she would go uh ah oh, fantastic and we and it was one of those so she knew the restaurant she uh, min she knew the menu when we sat down she said how do you want to do this are you happy for me to order for the table and we went oh yeah please uh, do we got all sorts of just incredible we got a succulent chinese meal did you know <laughs> a succulent chinese meal this was democracy man. Democracy made manifest. <laughs> it was uh, it was wonderful. That <laughs> sounds awesome. Um, yeah, but but no, you've you've not been up to anything else any, anywhere. Uh, I went to this yeah. comedy gig on. Oh, I can't even remember when it was. Nah, Wednesday it was last week. It was awful. it was at this like really nice bar in Islington. Lovely wondered, bar. How have they Lovely let this bar. bloke in? It's yeah, called the really Samba. good spot, hey. Yeah. Highly, oh, highly they, recommend. You should look I've it up. They play chess there. Uh, yeah, no, you you can play chess there. Uh, wine selection is pretty good. Um, can not, can highly recommend their their house champagne in Magnum. That was mm-hmm. nice. Uh, yeah, and then that was obviously the your comedy thing, comedy. Yeah, in inverted commas. I thought you were hilarious, mate. Actually, I'm, I'm not even going to do the funny. I'm not even going to do the funny stuff. You know, the bit where we we pretend like it was shit. Um, yeah. yeah, it was the not yet not yet comedy event. That was that's the right one, isn't it? Uh, yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, not uh, yet. The comedy. only reason I feel we, we should address. I'm not. I'm genuinely not trying to do it. Oh yeah, I did this comedy thing because um, I don't like talking about stuff I've done, whether no, it was good I'm or not. Going to. Um, but we did, we did, um, you know, in a, in an effort to sell tickets, we did dress it up a little bit on the on the pod. I'm like, oh, you should go to this. He's doing this thing. Well, I did that thing, um, and asked for other people to say what they thought of it. I, I personally uh, had a good time doing it. As a an other person, uh, I'm going to talk about it now. So Lee was actually absolutely hilarious uh, for the entire evening. Um, yeah, one of my favourite evenings out for a long time. 
my first bit of live comedy in probably five years um and it was fantastic mate you did so well i was blown away i didn't actually know how good you were going to be i mean i knew you'd be funny um but i thought you were excellent and i really enjoyed myself you're now not allowed to say anything remotely self-effacing here what about i enjoyed myself good night i think i i did enjoy i did enjoy myself um, there you go. There you go. See, see, you've taken a compliment, and you've and and you've just quietly said, "I enjoyed myself." We're going to yes. leave it there and say, "Yes, arrivederci." Ciao. Till until next time. Yeah. Thanks to Ingrid for for joining us. Thanks, dear listener, for, for listening in. Hashtag. Yeah. Cheers, mum. Um. And yeah, TM and TM will return. Uh. uh in like in two weeks. Two weeks like time. Normal. Yeah. Out of fortnight. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye. Bye.